Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. We started a series on the book of Proverbs on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, uh, which, uh, you know, the holidays and all that kind of makes things a little bit, uh, the schedules are a little bit different. And then last week we had the whole snow event and... Um, so you may have missed the, sort of the introduction to our series. I uh, want you to know that that's on live stream, also on podcast. Uh, just some instruction how to understand this book. We're going to be in it for about maybe five weeks or so, just uh, looking at different topics through the lens of wisdom. And uh, I said early on in, that, in, this, in this introduction that, um, that if we're going we're gonna to make an absolute mess of our lives unless we find and grow in wisdom. And, and here's why. While God's word speaks very clearly to many situations and and many things about how we should live our lives, most of the situations we will face, the rules don't apply, so to speak. We we need wisdom. I mean, when we come to situations like, should I marry this person? Should I move to that city? Should I I take that job? How do I handle this particular thing that's, that's arisen? We need wisdom. And so what we're going to be doing is looking at certain topics through this lens of wisdom and, in, in a sense, sort of foolproofing our lives. Now, it's not a guarantee, but it's a way to sort of move forward in life and, and to, to avoid foolishness. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to get going on this, and uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about money. And um, I, I don't know about you, but when, someone, when a pastor gets up and says, we're going to talk about money, people, like, grab the clutch of their wallets, make sure their purses are close. Um, uh, and, 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 but... Relax, and I think it'll make sense why I'm talking about money when it comes to, to handling our finances or our possessions wisely. Trina and I have a, a kind of a tradition or a thing we do every year. We read through the Bible every year. We've got a one-year Bible. I'm actually going through a two-year Bible right now. And early on in the Bible reading, you get to the, the Gospels, and I, I was in Luke chapter 3, and there's this, this situation where John the Baptist is preaching. And by the way, if you don't know the history, John the Baptist is a kind of a fire and brimstone preacher. Uh, his preaching probably, he, he, he wouldn't draw a lot of people today probably because of his style, um, but I'm, I'm, I guess, actually I think he would because the, the Spirit was on him, and, and the Spirit was on him in those days, and, and people were coming to him and hearing him, and he was saying some strong things, and actually crowds were coming to him and saying, Saying, how do we get right with God? What we were walking with God, but now we've wandered. But how do we realign and recalibrate and walk with God? And John the Baptist answers that question in, in, in Luke three. And and I don't know what you would, how you would answer that question if a friend of yours, maybe someone who walked with God but uh, walked with Christ but has wandered, but now wants to come back, and they said to you, "How do I do this repentance thing?" What, what do I do to realign my life with God? How would you answer that question? Now, I know that many of us might answer the question by saying, well, it'd be, probably be good for you to connect with a church. It'd be good for you to read your Bible. It'd be good for you to be part of a small group. It'd be good for you to have conversation with God uh, and, and pray. And th- th- those are all be great answers. But interestingly enough, John the Baptist offers none of those as a way to respond to this message of repentance. He, he doesn't say, uh, you know, attend synagogue more faithfully. He, did, he doesn't say, read the, read the law or the Torah, memorize. He doesn't say any of that. In fact, his answer is actually kind of surprising. Luke 3, verses 11 through 14, here's his answer. The crowds asked, what should we do? John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, 
Share it with those who are hungry. Now, even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, Teacher, what should we do? He replied, Collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? asked some soldiers. John replied, Don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. His response to crowds who are saying, we've heard your message of repentance and we, we want to align our lives with God. John the Baptist tilling the hard soil, preparing the way for Jesus. And as he answers the question, all of his answers revolve around the topic of finances and possessions. If you've got two coats, two shirts, give one to who has none. If you've got extra food, give to someone who has, has little food. Uh, tax collectors, don't, don't charge more than you should. Uh, soldiers, uh, be content with your pay. It, it's all, now, why in the world does John the Baptist answer this question, and why does he hone in on money or finances or possessions? I'll tell you why. It's because that money does something to Money is very personal to us. In fact, when we start talking about money, it feels like we're meddling a little bit. Now we're getting personal, and there's a reason why that we feel so much, so much pressure on this topic, and this picture will explain it all. Sort of. Uh, Snow White. You, I mean, you know the story, right? Uh, Snow White, um, you know, she, there's this evil queen, and she's like, it's just, who's the fairest of them all? And she realizes she's got some stiff competition, and Snow White's out there. And so she decides she's going to make this poison apple, and, she, and if Snow White takes a bite of it, this spell is going to be cast over her. She's going to fall into this uh, eternal sleep, and the only way the spell can be broken is if Prince Charming shows up and gives a kiss. There are some things about our, there's some things in life that will cast a spell over you. One of them is love. My, my brother got married a couple days after Christmas. Um, my brother and I are very different. I'm an extrovert. He's an introvert. I love, I love doing stuff outdoors. He loves to be indoors, you know, reading a book. He's an academic. I'm, I'm not. Uh, and, and, and yet he met this, this gal. She's a great gal. Her name is Melissa. And, and uh, he's dating her. And, and then he gets engaged to her. And my brother is snowboarding. He's skiing, he's snowshoeing, he's hiking, and he's traveling, and Trina and I are looking at each other going, who is this guy? Be because the spell of love has come up. When, when, this, when this spell comes over you, what, you behave differently. Now, here's the deal. I think John the Baptist, when this message of repentance is given and people are saying, what should we do? I think the reason he hones in on finances or possessions or material things and says, you know, if you get two, you give one away. Or if you get more food, give, give, give some people who don't have food. The reason he hones in there is because money, finances, possessions, our stuff can cast a spell on us. And we behave differently. We, we can. It's not always true. We, we behave differently. We act differently when we have it. In fact, some of us in the room today are under the spell of, of money or finances. And what I want to do is, in, in the time we got left, quickly, I'm just going to show you what, it, what that looks like. If you want to, okay, what, what's it look like to be under the spell of money or finances or possessions? And then, probably more importantly, is how do we break the spell? What's it look like to be under it? 
How do we break the spell? And we're going to use the book of Proverbs. We're going to bounce around. No one proverb gives us the full picture uh, of, of, of any topic. You've got to look at them collectively. So we're going to look at it from multiple angles and specifically on this idea of the spell that money might cast on us. So we'll just dive in here. Here's the first thing you need to know. Money has the power to corrupt your integrity. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1. The Lord detests the use of dishonest scales but he delights in accurate weights. Some of you can picture in your mind, in, in, in the old days in street markets, they have a scale, and, um, and when, when you're buying something in the, in the open market, maybe you're going to buy some grain, or you're going to buy rice, and you want a pound. Uh, the, the, the person who owns this, the little store there will put a pound on one side of the scale, and it kind of slides around this little metal piece, and then you pour rice into this bowl on the other side of the scale, and as the rice goes down, the, the weight rises up, and when it's a pound, you stop, and you pay for your pound of rice. Now, what was happening in, in days of old, and it still happens today, it just takes on different shapes, is, is people would take that one pound and, and they would maybe just cut some of the, the weight off or they would mismark a weight. Maybe it's actually three quarters of a pound, not a full pound. And so a customer thinks there's a pound on the, uh, on the scale. Actually, it's three quarters of a pound. And a, a, a pound of rice is supposed to be put there, but only three quarters of a pound of rice. And you end up paying more from what you're getting. And this is, this is what happened. You can, be, you can have great character, wonderful integrity in multiple areas of your life. But when it comes to money, when money's on the conversation, or become, you're, you're, you're surrounded by money, you begin to cut corners. You might fudge on your taxes, hope the IRS doesn't notice. You might fudge on your, on your expense account, say you drove more miles than you actually did. Um, you, you, just in, in creative ways, you... Something happens to your character when you're around money. And if that's the case, that, that's the spell. Trina and I were talking about this last night. How, how human nature is, when you go to a store and you go to buy something, or you're at a restaurant and you're paying for something, and you see on the receipt that you've been overcharged, you, you, you call the waiter, the waiter's back, right? You talk to the employee at the store and say, hey, wait, 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 I, I, you charged me too much. But when you're undercharged, do you say anything? There's that tension of, uh, hey, they didn't catch the steak I ordered. Let's get out of here quick. Hope nobody recognizes I'm the pastor of Sam Lodge Church. There's, there's, there's just something about us that when we get around money, the temptation is to cut corners. And if you do, that's the spell of money, the powerful spell of finances. Here's another one. Uh, money has the power to magnify self-absorption to the detriment of a community. Again, Proverbs 11. Uh, people curse those who hoard their grain, but they bless the one who sells in time of need. This is not about dishonesty. This is about being ruthless. This is a, the, the context here is, is scarcity of food, and there's someone who's taking more than their fair share. It's like the uncle in the buffet line. You're behind. You see all that food up there, and they don't just take one serving. They take multiple servings, and there's hardly any food left by the time you get through the line. Now, in business, this is what it looks like. You may not know the name Heather Besh, but she's the CEO of Mylan Incorporated. They, they manufacture the EpiPen. If you're watching this in the news, the EpiPen is used, you know, when a, when a kid gets a bee sting or an adult gets a bee sting, they're highly allergic, and this EpiPen will actually save their life. You stick it in your leg, and you, it shoots some, uh, some medicine into you. Um, it's, I'm, I'm speaking in highly technical terms right now, but uh, it saves their life. It saves their life. These EpiPens were, you know, less, they used to be less than $100, but now they're over $600 for an EpiPen. And 
What's happening is this, this CEO uh, in 2007, her annual income was $2.5 million. And today in 2017, her annual income is $18 million. Now, people, like versus people curse those who hoard grain. Heather is having to testify before Congress about what's going on in this business that she's leading. Contrast Myland Incorporated and contrast it with Tom's shoes. Blake Mykoski, if you don't know that story, Tom, he starts this, he starts this uh, shoe business. You buy a pair of shoes, and if you buy a pair of shoes, a pair gets given to someone who's in need. And people are like, that's a fantastic idea. I want to buy Tom's shoes because I want to bless someone else. And what you're seeing there, by the way, Blake Mykoski, I'm sure his salary is fairly significant. But people see the heart. People are seeing it's not just about the bottom line. See, businesses, especially businesses that are, that are, that are acquiring other ones, that ha- having a profit, is that's good. Businesses need to make a profit. That, that's good. But businesses also need to be asking themselves the question is, is what does my community need? What, how, how do we be sustainable? How do we be profitable? How do I take care of my employees? And, and, and some of you are business owners, and you did that very well. But righteous the righteous handing of finances also looks to the community. On an individual level, it's also understand that you know, it's the acquisition of stuff succumbing to the more monster in spite of the fact that your neighbors are in need. What we need to bear in mind is that when the spell of money is over us, what we see is just our wants and desires, and we're blinded to the needs of our community. That's a spell, a powerful spell of finances and possessions. Here's another one. Money has the power to distract you from what is really important. Um, what I'm talking about, let's go, let's go to Proverbs 11. Worth, wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Um, the day of wrath, the day of judgment, that, that, people don't have a lot of conversations about those now because it, you know, people don't like to talk about judgment. People don't want to talk about wrath and, and standing before God, which actually, in some way, indicts our culture because that's what money will do to you. That's what a, an obsession, this, this, this rapid, this frantic pace of consumption will do to you. You focus on the here and now, and you ignore the day of wrath, day of judgment kind of questions. Like, is my life meaning anything? Meaning anything? Is, is, is the kingdom of God advancing by what I'm giving my, my time to and my life to? And those are kind of like judgment day questions. And when you're under the powerful spell of money, you're, you're focused on the temporal and not the eternal. Again, it's not wrong to have money. It's not wrong to, to have possessions. Please don't, please don't feel guilty if God's blessed you. Praise God. It's just he's blessed you to bless, to bless others. And what the, the, when the spell comes, we take a bite of that poisonous apple, what happens is that we don't see others. All we can see is us. Here's another one. Uh, money can make you arrogant. Uh, Proverbs 30. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? Do you know who also said, who is the Lord? Pharaoh. When Moses went down to Egypt and said, let my people go, you're oppressing them. They're slaves and God wants to take them out. Pharaoh's response is, who's God? Who's the Lord? Because he saw himself as a God. 
And this is what wealth will do to you. There's this self-exaltation, this puffing up that takes place. And, and when you're powerfully under the spell, you actually think you're superior to others. You treat other people differently, and you treat them like, like you've got the power to do so, and it's totally okay because you've earned it. Bernard of Clairvaux says this. He says, to see a man humble under prosperity is the greatest rarity in the world. One more. This is what the spell looks like. Your money can be an alternative to God. A couple sets of Proverbs here. Uh, Proverbs 10 and Proverbs 18. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. The rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. In ancient times, cities were surrounded by walls. They were surrounded by walls to protect its citizens from weather, from wild animals, from enemies, and the, the wealthy tended to live in the cities. The poor were outside the city. So when an enemy attacked, the poor would run into the city, but they would have no homes there. What this wisdom writer is saying is that when the poor, those who have little, are threatened, when their lives are threatened, they run to God. The name of the Lord is a strong tower or fortress. But where did the, wealth, the wealthy run? They think their money is a high wall of safety. So they run to themselves, which means that the powerful spell of money actually can be an alternative to God, which is why Jesus would say, you can't have two masters. You can't serve both God and money. It's just impossible. Now, I ran through that pretty quickly. Those are just... Five ways that the spell manifests itself. We've got to stop and we've got to go, wait, now, hold on a second now. Are any one of those true about me? Am I cutting corners? Am I only thinking about bottom line, not seeing the needs of my neighbors? Uh, am I arrogant? Is my, is my money an alternative to trusting in, in God? Am I asking Judgment Day questions? We should pause and we should ask ourselves, um, if, if the spell has been cast on us in any way. And if so, we need to ask ourselves how to break that spell. So here's just a couple ways that you can get, the, get going on this journey of breaking the spell. The first way is you and I must assume that we are in denial. We must assume that we are in denial. The reason I say that is because we live in one of the wealthiest nations of, of the world. We live in one of the wealthiest nations of the history of the world. And if there were ever a people to be under the spell of finances or the, or the, or the pursuit of materialism and the, and the rapid pace of consumption of stuff, it would be us. And so what we need to say to ourselves is, I'm, I'm, I need to assume that I'm in denial on this topic. In fact, you may want to even say out loud to yourself right now, you must say, I am in denial. And if you couldn't say that, then you are really in denial, Right? <laughs> Here's why I say this. I've given a little explanation. Let's go back to Proverbs. Proverbs 20. Unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord, and false scales are not good. We already talked about scales and weights. Now, here's the question. What would motivate someone to use false scales or false weights or unequal weights? Greed, right? Same, even to, what would motivate a business to rip off a customer? It's, it want more. Greed. That's the motivation. The second thing I want you to see is that word abomination. Again, not a very popular word. 
And most times in the scriptures, you will see that word used when there's sexual sin present. Now, you got to get this. What the writer is saying is that you can be squeaky clean sexually. You can be sexually pure. You, you, you can be married and you've never had an, uh, an affair. That, that's wonderful. Wonderful. If you're single, you've, 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 never, you've never given yourself to, to someone else. You can be squeaky clean sexually, but when it comes to money and when it comes to the pursuit of stuff, you are deeply offending God just as much as someone who's committing adultery. Now, get this. Older generations look at sexual sin as actually a worse sin than greed. We, we kind of rank and rate things. Younger generations, they see greed as a worse sin than sexual sin. Both generations have their issues, right? We all do. We're all broken people. But the reality is, is that we tend to minimize greed, and, and that's because we're in denial. Jesus went around preaching, watch out for greed, watch out, look out for greed. Do you know what he did not go around saying? Watch out for sexual sin. Watch out for adultery. It's not that he didn't talk about sexual sin, but he never said, watch out for it. And here's why. If you're having an extramarital affair, you don't wake up in the morning and look at the person next to you and go, oh, my gosh, that's not my wife. That's, that's not my husband. You know you are committing adultery when that happens. Not so with greed. We're blind to it. So we must assume that we are in denial. We've got to open our hearts to the fact that some of this, that list I ran, that, that, that may be true of me. We've got to at least allow ourselves to get under the lens of this and see if we've taken a bite of that poison apple. Now, here's the second thing that I, that I want to say, and then I'll wrap us up here. We need to grasp the scattering principle. Again, book of Proverbs. There's one who scatters but increases more, and there's one who withholds more than his right, but it leads to poverty. Now, you look at that verse, we'll leave it up there, and that just doesn't seem to make sense, does it? There's one who scatters but increases more, and there's one who withholds more than his right, but it leads to poverty. It, it almost sounds like spiritual calculus, right? She says it makes sense. But there's one area in life that actually makes total sense, and it has to do with agriculture. So you scattered seed. If you hoarded seed, next year's harvest is not going to be good. You've got to scatter the seed. And then there's, there's an increase. There's a harvest. You might save some seed for, for future, future years just in case there's a famine or something like that. But there's this idea that if I withhold, then I'm actually, I'm actually going to shrink. My, my, own, my own physical body may shrink because uh, there's not going to be food this next year. In our day and age, what we're talking about here is the scattering principle is understanding that the more we withhold, we've got to understand this, if we hoard... If we say to ourselves, I can't afford to give, having lived in one of the most wealthiest nations in the world, then it's likely that we are an addict. Now, some of you are in serious financial situations that are not a problem of your own. You're in a unique situation. I don't want you to feel guilted by what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is that most of us, 
One of the ways that we can break the spell is simply through generosity. But there's that little voice that says to us, ah, oh, you can't afford it. You can't, but what, what if? And we need to embrace this scattering principle. And I just want to give you a few examples of small and maybe larger examples of what that looks like in my life and Trina's life. Uh, for example, Christmas time, I have this, this thing that I, I, it's just sort of like this unwritten rule in my life. If I'm walking into a store and there's a, a Salvation Army bell ringer there, whatever coins are in my pocket must go in the red bucket. That's just, that's just a rule I live by. And, um, and so what happens is this is amazing. It's amazing the power of a couple quarters. You see, if I, I got some pennies and a dime, that's ah, pretty easy. I got three quarters, uh, there's this internal battle that's going on. It's, just, it's really weird. It's like 75 cents, Steve. You can't part with 75 cents. There are times where I found a dollar bill in my pocket. I'm like, oh, man, what was I thinking? Should I put that in my wallet? <laughs> now, now I got to put it, I got to put it in the bucket. I'm under, I'm under the spell. We, we, we all deal with this. That's just a small way that I've, I've tried to build in the scattering principle in, into my life. And, and, and Trina and I tithe. We, we give... We give 10% to our local church. We just, that's just an automatic for us. And we don't call that sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving is when you give and you actually have to alter your lifestyle. With that shit. And I'm not, please don't hear me. Sometimes we use a verse like this, you know, a person who scatters and the more, if you give $100, you're going to get $1,000 back. It's a spiritual pyramid scheme. Trust me. <laughs> I, no, no, no. Sometimes we use, sometimes pastors, we're guilty of of manipulating, because that comes from fear, because we want to gather. Friends, if you want to break the spell, the powerful spell of money, love of money on your life, be like the wise people of old have done. Give. Be, be as the Lord prompts you. Be a generous person. And what will happen is that your heart will be enlarged. Yes, may, God may surprise you and give back to you more than you give, but, but don't let that be a motivation to give because that's not scattering, that's gathering. Right? And if you can't give, then you have to at least admit to yourself, I'm, an, I'm addicted to money. I'm, addict, I'm addicted to shopping. I'm addicted to getting more stuff. And, and that will crush your spirit. That will shrink your heart. Now, I think anytime we're talking about a topic like money, it just, um, it's personal. And so we need to make sure we pause and hear what God has to say to us and what he's calling us to. So I just want to invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and just engage in a conversation with Jesus. And if you don't know how to start a conversation with him, you can start just by saying, Jesus, what are you saying to me? What do, you, what do you want me to hear today, Jesus? He, he may talk to you about being puffed up because you got money, about corners you're cutting. I think for many of those who are in the room today, he might say to you, thank you for your generosity. He, made a, he wants to affirm you. Spirit of living God, would you speak your words to your people? 
We want to be like those crowds who came to John the Baptist and say, what should we do? We offer our hearts to you. And speak for your servants for listening, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon. And we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.